0: Welcome back to the DabbleCo podcast. This is a series that I've been doing on the potential overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, I appreciate those of you who've um, sent thoughtful messages and and comments and have appreciated um, what I'm, I'm attempting to do. And so today I've got Pastor Scott Sauls on. He is such an amazing guy. He's the pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church here in Nashville. He actually spent um, quite a bit of time working at Redeemer Presbyterian Church uh, under Tim Keller in New York City. Um, so he's got an incredibly uh, great way of just making us think about things uh, in a different way. And I'm really, really excited to, to hear and kind of chat about, you know, his thoughts and, and a lot of the thoughts that you guys have sent me as well. So thank you so much, um, Scott, for coming on.
1: I'm happy to be with you, Claire. Thanks for thanks for the conversation.
0: Yeah. So Scott has an a great essay. So I kind of threw this at him a couple of weeks ago, sent him a message, and just said, feel free to tell me absolutely not. But um I think part of this conversation, that what's interesting about the potential overturning of Roe versus Wade and and abortion, obviously, is it's it is a, a medical procedure. However, we we have a really hard time, or we a lot of us feel like we cannot disentangle it from our moral, ethical, religious beliefs. Um, and so that's what Scott and I are going to kind of chit chat about today. So, kind of the first thing, and, I, and I'm going to link Scott's essay in the show notes so you guys kind of know where the basis of this conversation is coming from. But one thing that I, I really enjoyed about what you kind of summarize is just how the terms pro choice and pro life. Mm-hmm really don't accurately convey what either side is is trying to do so I'd love to talk about that
1: yeah i I, I think um, there are certainly exceptions there are there are people and groups and organizations that are trying to be very comprehensive and you know as mm-hmm. a as a as a Christian as one who identifies very publicly as and openly as pro-life um, I'm also an advocate for um, working hard to resolve, as much as possible, all the different pressures that uh, make women feel that um, they have no other option besides mm-hmm. abortion. And so, uh, just as a as a background, I'm I'm a comprehensive uh, fight for the life of everyone uh, person, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's it's quite obvious that you know, at least the public voice, especially in the political sphere, which I'm not a politician. I'm not here to do politics on this issue or any issue as much as I am to speak uh, from a uh, moral perspective, from the Judeo-Christian ethic on these things. And so on the pro-choice side, it's it's quite obvious, at least with the public voice, that uh, the advocacy is uh, fully in the corner of of the mother. Uh, the language is a woman's right to choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the inconsistency there is that that roughly half of the, the people inside the womb are girls. And, and uh, in an abortion, they're not given any right to choose. They're not given any autonomy or any authority over what's done with their body. They're completely at the mercy of somebody much more powerful right. than they are um, or, a, a forces much more powerful than they are the mother as well as others. Uh, and so I think that's, that's very co- inconsistent, just the, the choice language and the right to do with my body, what I should do because you're, yeah. you're destroying bodies, uh, in order to do that. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the pro-life side is, is at least publicly in the political arena, squarely on the side of the infant and, and does not speak to, um, Many of the pressures, many of the social realities, for instance, I think almost 70% of abortions are, are performed upon uh, black uh, children and or uh, Latino children in, mm. in the United States, which, which wow. points to a social problem. Uh, I think that uh, the last statistic I heard is over 60% of the women who come in to an abortion cl- clinic for a procedure are living under poverty. That's a social right. problem. Right. Um, and 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 you know you've got also I think those those two percent um, you know rare cases, but significant. It's it's still roughly ten thousand um, cases per year of of those rare cases like rape, incest, ectopic pregnancies, tubal pregnancies, etc., uh, which you could put in the category of crisis pregnancies, which are, are more about uh, they're, they're less about a, a woman's fear about being pregnant and having a child and what the implications are, uh, much less about the the heavy emotions that a woman feels and, and much more about real crisis situations. Right. And uh, I think the the pro-life movement politically has done uh, a, a substandard job publicly advocating for um, a really aggressive, meaningful, purposeful, well-funded um comprehensive system of care, uh, to, to relieve as much of those pressures as possible. If we're going to, if we're going to, you know, have a strong voice advocating for, for a child in the womb, which I think we should, mm-hmm. we also need to have strong voice and, and put our lives where our mouth is, uh, so to speak. And, and so, you know, I, I, I just feel like both need to, to be honest, right. That, that they're not, um, they're not giving the care due at least with the public voice. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. I know in the pro-life movement and pro-choice people can speak for themselves, but there's a ton going on in the pro-life movement, kind of quietly and privately at crisis pregnancy pregnancy centers. Would encourage your listeners to look up uh, Avail New York City, which is run by our friend Chris Whitford. They're mm-hmm. doing a wonderful job, um, you know, trying to resolve some of these issues. But but there needs to be more of it, and it needs you know. Pro-life people need to be louder ab- about about maternal care, and pro-choice people need to be louder about the fact that this is a human being we're talking about uh, inside, a, you know, a woman's womb, and you know, the DNA is there from the moment of conception, all of it, and 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 that has to be contended with honestly, and and I just don't think there's full honesty and complete honesty on either side.
0: Well, there's a couple things, a couple things that come to mind. So, so one thing I wanted to to read directly from Scott's essay, he said the other day is neither side is known for honoring the dignity of every human in the equation, which is exactly what you're talking about. But then I'd love to point out this um, tweet. Okay. So occasionally you said you will jump on Twitter for, for some reason you said it's like a, when you're feeling, I don't know, like <laughs> in masochistic. My, in, my like, weak mo- in my weak moments,
1: yes. <laughs> I'll jump on Twitter,
0: and some someone had had tweeted uh, basically to the effect of, you know, I don't, I don't think people actually believe, you know, that a fetus is a human life, and I think everybody's kind of lying to make this a political issue. And and your um, your response to that, which I I saw a ton of women that it had miscarriages resonate with. Um, and so, so what, what was your kind of response to, to that?
1: Yeah, well, you know, just candidly, I speak as one who, um, you know, has, has suffered a miscarriage as a father. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife, my wife has had, um, at least one miscarriage. We think, we think probably two. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were, those were heart wrenching experiences because, because of our belief that, that, from the very beginning of, you know, from the moment of conception, it is a, it is a child. I'll I'll just say this without, without passing judgment. It's, it's so very difficult, uh, for me to follow that line of reasoning that until it's, until the child is, until the fetus or until the embryo is born, Mm -hmm. it's actually not a human. Um, you know, just even, even, um, science, Speaks against that. Uh, just again, from the DNA perspective, from the fact that uh, I think the last statistic I heard is that that ninety percent of women who see a sonogram uh, decide to go forward with the pregnancy because they look and they mm-hmm. see legs and arms and a face and right. a nose and ears and and all the body parts. Right? Um, you get the heartbeat. Uh, you know, really early. And to say it's not a human is just. I don't. I don't. I don't have a category for that kind of logic. It, I, yeah. I, I can't find it. And it feels to me, and, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, if, if there's a position I'm really committed to hold on to, I, I can be tempted at times to, to sort of spin the truth, I guess. And I, I feel like, I feel like it's a pretty significant, bold and blatant spinning of the truth personally, um, you know, with, with all due respect to say that it's not a life until it's born, uh, is just kind of unconscionable to me.
0: And there may be people that feel that way. You know, I mean, we don't all, the reality is we live in America and we don't all share the same religious, moral, ethical, um, beliefs. And, and, you know, so sure there, there may be people that feel that way, but it was really, um, Something to see in in the comments of your post, I saw woman after woman after woman saying, you know, I had a miscarriage at eight weeks and it was devastating because you know I've, I I mm-hmm. emotionally was th- thought I had a child um, and and so that that was really um, I, I I didn't expect women to chime in in that way. I don't know why. I just I I started reading the comments just to kind of see where people yeah. were. You know, it's like oh gosh, here. Here comes Attack at Scott. But yeah. it's really, really neat to see. Yeah. So, if you've been following Dabbleco and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So, the goal is always to share evidence based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So, I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So, thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So Check them out and they will know that I sent you and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, So it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks guys.
1: Well, I, you know, and I, I I do think that's, that's worth noting that um, there's many pro-life women as there are pro-life men, uh, if mm-hmm. not more, mm-hmm. uh, because of, because of that fact, because of that right. deep connection between the mother and the child. But I, you know, if I if I may also respectfully point out another inconsistency in, in you know this this declaration that it's a that it's it's a fetus, not a not a child. Um, you know, I've never met a person who is pro-choice who would call it a child when, when we're talking about an abortion situation. And I've also never met a pro-choice person who wouldn't call it a baby when they wanted the child, mm-hmm. uh, even before it was born. And and, and so, you know, it, at least concede there's, there's some serious inconsistency, uh, I would hope, in in the way we look at the nature of the being or the entity inside a woman based on whether or not it's wanted. Uh, and, and, and so I I just think that's a consist an inconsistency that pro choice folks need to contend with, um, if they want to be believable (laughs) because it's just, it's not believable. And, and, and so, yeah, also said, Uh, I uh, say that respectfully, but
0: Yeah. And he also said, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't see us throwing funerals for, for all these baby, you know, babies or miscarriages, or that was kind of part of his point. Mm -hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, respectfully, you know, you're not correct. I, I have personally been to the funeral of a 21 week old, essentially miscarriage. Um, which is, you know, it's just a
1: quieter, it's a much more quiet ceremony with family and friends.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was, Oh my gosh, it was, it it was heartbreaking. I mean, it was heartbreaking. It was the, you know, they'd already had three or four and at, at, you know, lower weeks. And and so you could argue, you know, you're less, Mm -hmm. maybe potentially, maybe less attached as in the, in the beginning, you get more and more attached as you, you know, the baby's growing. And I, I, Anyway, but that so they, mm-hmm. you know, we're so excited. Finally, made it to to this point, and um, and so yeah, I mean, I I, I think people just don't you don't know what you don't know, and and there aren't as many mm. people publicly suffering with miscarriage um as as we think, and and along as is happening, I mean, there there are tons of people silently suffering with miscarriage who probably would love to have a funeral, but it's just not, you know, feasible every time. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're having five, six miscarriages, Mm -hmm. you just can't live like that. But it also kind of Mm -hmm. speaks to there is for whatever reason a woman has an abortion, the data is there that it is emotionally traumatic, you know, whether they're having an abortion for, you know, a potential medical reason, a complication and uh, incompatible with life, mm-hmm. whatever that reason is, or if it's just because they, yeah. like you said, you know, socially emotionally aren't aren't ready or think they don't have the resources for the baby, there's trauma with that. There is emotional trauma, and we can't act like there's not because it's there. We know it's there.
1: It is there. it is there. Uh, it it's there. Um, you know when you're when you're making that decision or that choice, it, it's it's typically, uh, you know driven especially in those in those cases where you've got a crisis pregnancy uh it is driven by um desperation uh, more mm-hmm. than it is by uh, anything else in those cases um now candidly there are a lot of abortions that happen on the basis of you know using it as birth control um, and and um and I think there's a whole system that supports it as well. I don't mm-hmm. think it's just the woman, uh, and you know, when there's a man in the equation, unilaterally making the decision. I think there's also a, a very profitable industry that's that's um, that's encouraging, it for for reasons other than the mother's real or perceived needs. Um, mm-hmm. It's not to say that abortion providers aren't caring, uh, but but. But it is to say that it's a very lucrative industry uh, and um so i I think too, again, on the social issue of of the fact that nearly seventy percent are are you know minorities, specifically black and latino that 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 have abortions um I think it's important to acknowledge just that the founding of 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 the the mothership of the industry uh was on the basis largely of eugenics. Margaret Sanger founded. Planned Parenthood, uh, in part at least, to eliminate black babies and to eliminate black people. And, I didn't
0: know that until um, I read it. Um, that's in another essay. part of the
1: story. Um, it's a hundred percent true, and it, it's 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 deeply disturbing. But you know, that's a part of the story that's never told. Is is the origins of something? Now, um, can can an organization's you know motives and and culture and and principles improve over time? Yes, uh, they can. Right, um, but. Um, it's important to be honest about the story. I mean, I, I'll be honest about King David's adultery and murder and uh, about Rahab the prostitute in the Bible. If you'll be honest about Margaret Sanger, you know, I'll, I'll be honest about how Abraham and Isaac tossed their wives under the bus and did horrific things. Right. Um, you know, I, I just I think it's it's time for us to all be honest. Uh, I, I'll just put it that way. I don't want to sound snarky, but. Um, We can't have a conversation. We can't talk to each other. We can't be persuasive. We'll only talk past each other unless we're all honest about the inconsistencies and deficiencies of our own positions and our need to do some really, really hard work to be truly just to everybody in the equation.
0: Okay. Let's talk if about, that makes sense. yes, it does. Of course it makes sense. Everything you say always makes sense to me, Scott, but okay. Let me talk about inconsistencies and Planned Parenthood in the pro-life kind of conversation. Okay. Because here's what, what bothers me is that People think of Planned Parenthood as, you know, all they do all day is provide abortions, which couldn't be further from the truth. That is absolutely part of what they do. Mm -hmm. However, a Mm -hmm. large part of what they do is provide basic women's health mammograms, pap smears, birth control, family, you know, education, Mm -hmm. all of these things. And so we've got all these, you know, pro-life desperately trying to shut down Planned Parenthood. And we kind of talked about this mm-hmm. before. We've just gotten, I've chatted before about this, but one thing that, that really bothers me is seeing the same pro-life groups also being the same groups that are making access to contraception significantly more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I cannot reconcile right. those two things because one would think yeah. if you want less abortions, make contraception more available. So what? let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. So you know, the first thing I would say is if if Planned Parenthood stopped doing abortions mm-hmm. and and did everything else, I, I would I would I would be I would swiftly relocate into the into the fan of of most of what Planned Parenthood does category if they stopped doing abortions, but right. it is what they're known for. Um, and uh, so so to your question, I mean, it's it's a great question, and I. I, I I think I know what the answer would be from at least people who are pro-life and are either uh, Jewish or Christian, uh, come from the Judeo-Christian vantage point. I, and you know, if if somebody doesn't, you know, isn't Jewish or Christian, they, they can give their own answer if they if they if they you know don't appreciate the approach of providing contraception, but. Uh, in the Ten Commandments, there are there are two commandments. Um, you know, one is one is about uh, you know the stewardship of our sexuality, and the other is about the protection and preservation preservation of other people's lives. And so, I, I think that people of faith might think that um, you know, kind of in the two wrongs don't make a right uh, category, or the <laughs> ends, uh, you know, th- that I'd be participating, or we per- be participating in and ends justify the means. Uh, sort of approach in, in the prevention of pregnancy. That being said, and I, I want to speak to my Christian friends, uh, on your prog- podcast and maybe provide a different angle here. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, uh, most people that we're talking about who end up in a, in an abortion clinic, most of them do not share our faith. And, and it's, some of them do, many of them do, uh, but, but most of them do not. And, and, It's 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 um, it's quite unreasonable, I believe, to expect uh, a person who does not uh, embrace, uh, say, Judaism or Christianity and the ethic of life uh, for the unborn that's presented in the scriptures throughout Mm -hmm. Uh, it. it, It's unreasonable to expect that they're going to do the abstinence thing. Uh, and, and, sure. and so you've got to ask a question. Are, are you willing to meet somebody in the middle? Uh, if it means preventing death, <laughs> you know, yeah. if it means pre- preventing the occasion that, that would likely to lead to an abortion. And I say yes on that. And I, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to agree to disagree with, with those who don't agree with me, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Claire, that, um, you know, it, it is true. They say that, um, you know, many people do say that that democratic policies actually lead to fewer abortions, which which sounds right. ironic. But 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 a huge reason why is preventative care. Right. Uh, and so, um, again, I, I think it's it, it's important to realize we live in a very complicated world. Not everybody shares your faith belief, especially you know, in fact, most people don't share your faith belief. That sex belongs only in marriage between one man and one woman. You know, if, if you're coming right. from the, the vantage point of a Christian, uh, and so, um, so what is there that could be done for those people who don't share our belief in this? And for that matter, there are a lot of people in our churches who aren't listening to the Scripture on on sexuality. And and so, what are we going to do there? Um, yeah. And and so, I'm uh, I'm I'm in favor of. Uh, and i th- I think a lot of Christians actually are in favor of of considering how um you know what can be done to prevent pregnancy if the sex is going to happen regardless which it is uh and 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 so why not make it harder to get pregnant for those who are going to have sex no matter what
0: well statistically alone i mean i <laughs> It's just we talk about this. I feel like in medicine sometimes with the HPV vaccine because there's a lot of kind of rhetoric around that being you know a vaccine for STDs. And then I'm giving my kids permission to have sex. And blah blah. blah. It's like listen, your kid might be in the two percent of Americans that haven't had sex before marriage, mm-hmm. but statistically, ninety eight percent of Americans have had premarital sex. So we have to. I mean, that's that's that reality. That is
1: that the is that the I, actual statistic? I, <laughs>
0: I'm pretty sure that that's, yeah, wow. it's that high. It's really high. 98%. I,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, that someone fact high. checked me, but I read that um, when the last time I was researching for the HPV vaccine because that's an argument. And so, you know, the, the argument for the vaccine is like, hey, their partner may you can have get had HPV
1: excellent. sitting on it.
0: Yeah. Well, kissing. Yeah. You can get HPV sitting
1: on a toilet. You, <laughs> you can. I don't um, know. It's there,
0: yeah. but all that to say, but it's in that. So Scott wrote a book called a gentle answer, which if you guys, if y'all haven't read it, if you spend really any time on social media, I, I think it's critical that you read this book. It truly, it literally changed the way that I interact with people on social media. And I'm going to read a quote from it because I think this is kind of where, where we are in this whole conversation about, um, access to, and you, you mentioned, you know, democratic policies actually lead to less abortions. And so here's what I I think from from that book we can pull. When love your neighbor takes a backseat to American partisanship, when the protection and advancement of our own rights and privileges takes precedence over the needs of the least of these spiritually and socially sensitive people can find it difficult to get on board with the versions of Christianity that look, smell, and talk more like Uncle Sam than like Jesus Christ, which I think is exactly what you're saying now of you know, it's become such a political partisan issue. We've totally lost the forest for the trees.
1: We have, we have big time. Um, it, again, uh, it, there's not a lot of truth telling on, on Twitter. There's a lot of side taking, uh, you know, in yeah. the, in the Twitter debates, especially when you're talking about a political issue, especially one that's, is, you know, that where there's so much on the line, uh, yeah. like this one, um, Truth is not a core value in those conversations, and it needs to be uh, both for for a woman's sake and for a child's sake. Uh, it it needs to be at the center of the whole conversation. We've just got to get honest, especially about our own inconsistencies. Like like candidly, I I personally think that the loudest because I'm a Christian and because I believe in you know both commandments, uh, you know about you know sexuality, right? Christians historically have been you know, promiscuous with their money, and uh, in, in being generous and and mm-hmm. conservative with their bodies, and in you know reserving sexuality for, for the covenant of marriage. And Christians have always held a high value uh, on uh, the dignity and worth and you know worthiness of human life. And, and so, you know, I want to enter. I want to enter these spaces um, being consistent. Uh, and you know, one of the ways that I challenge my my Christian friends. Is look if you're if you're a Democrat, you should you should be the loudest voice mm-hmm. uh, for um, for the unborn. If you're a Democrat, because you should be so grieved that the party that you support mm-hmm. uh, is is not on the side of what the Scriptures say about about mm-hmm. a child in the womb. And likewise, if you're a Christian Republican, you should be one of the loudest voices about um, about changing the system so that so that um, fewer pregnancies happen in the first place. Uh, and the the systems of care are so um, monumentally wonderful and accessible to to any and every woman who's facing a crisis pregnancy or facing this this choice uh, that that it would just become less and less um, um, an attractive or appealing option because the alternatives that that we work so hard for um, provide the support that's needed emotionally, physically, financially, and otherwise, uh, for a woman to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against my gut here because I know the support is here. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I know that there are options like, like adoption and, and, you know, there's, there, there's so many more, um, you know, homes ready to receive a child for adoption than there are available children, uh, you know, for one. Um, and 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 but the but the system has to change in order in order to really pressure and I I think Christian Republicans should be the loudest voices on that uh, that it's not just about legally stopping and, and criminalizing abortion it also has to be what does love your neighbor look like like there's this group in the Pharisees called the Pharisees in the Bible that Jesus is you know he's always after them kind of you know pointing out their hypocrisy and he says look you guys you put these these burdensome laws and requirements on people's back, but you don't ever lift a finger to help them. And, you know, he's he's calling out their hypocrisy and saying their religion is fake. Uh, you know, G- James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote one of the New Testament letters, um, you know, talks about this, that, that um, you know, if, if we just look at somebody in their need and, and say, God bless you, go, go be at peace, you know, take mm-hmm. care of your own problems um, but but you better not uh, you know you better not do something wrong in the process uh, but go take care of your own problems and we don't lift a finger to help then, then how can the love of God be in us? and that's, that's also what, what John said um, uh, who was Jesus' close friend. And so there's this both and dynamic, uh, this comprehensive life ethic, this comprehensive dignity ethic that both the old and New Testaments, present us with, uh, that, that demand uh that we we care uh for, protect and preserve the lives and the um the 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 hearts of the people who are involved uh in in these decisions.
0: Well and and kind of going back to what you were saying before, you know, that we've got to be the loudest voices and showing the most um, effort in protecting these lives that we're, you know, trying to save. It, I'm just saying we generally, meaning like, pro, you know, if you're a pro-choice Christian. So there are, there's an organization that we are involved with called Four Others, and their main um, mission is to basically just get resources into the hands of foster care agencies. And the most fascinating statistic to me, because I think this speaks to you know, you said there are plenty of there are more families wanting to adopt babies, infants, perhaps, but there are four hundred thousand children in the foster care system in America. Um, only about a hundred thousand of those are actually available for adoption, meaning they've been like totally stripped. Parental rights have been you know totally stripped away. But and there yeah. are how many churches in America? Take a guess. I'm going to tell you. Oh. I don't, know, I don't know. Maybe the same number. I don't know. You're going to give some
1: ma- magic number. Here. It's 400,000. <laughs> wow. And so, mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's real. Again, there, see, there are things that are really hard to reconcile. I think that we, like you're saying, mm-hmm. I mean, if we're really going to walk the walk with our lives, um, it can't just look yeah. like we want to save the baby and then see you later. Like, which is 100%. Kind of what's happening now. 100%. Yeah,
1: I mean, can I can I give a little little church history lesson? I promise it won't be boring. Uh, sure. It's an inspiring little yes. church history lesson. Sure. Okay, so so Christianity was born in the Roman Empire, and um, the the Roman government was hostile toward Christianity because it was an influential movement that um, that felt like a threat to the power of Rome and, and the Roman Caesar, mm-hmm. and um, and so so Christians had no government support there was no public advocacy to be made for the people that they were trying to care for. Right. But, but Christians were the only ones like, like Roman empire was a place where, where women were discardable, where uh, babies were discardable, especially girls. You know, there's this, this chilling uh, letter from a Roman businessman in the first century to yeah. his wife. He's, he's, you know, out of town on business and and she's pregnant and she's, she's likely to have the child before, Before he gets back from his trip and in the letter, he's talking about all these, you know, say hi to so and so this, that or the other. I'm doing fine. The weather's great here. Oh, and by the way, uh, if it's a boy, keep it. And if it's a girl, throw it out. Uh, And that was just the mindset in in Rome. And and it was accepted, uh, you know, in the same way that that in Hitler's Germany it was accepted by the masses that that it's okay to exterminate this entire race of people, yeah. and it was just horrific, right? And so what the Christians did about that was they quietly and subversively, uh, you know, started this ministry to widows and orphans, yeah. and um, and one of the things they would do is they would go to the trash heap where where the the unwanted babies were were thrown and left to die and rescue them and take them home and, and adopt them and, and raise them as their own. Uh, when, when the plagues happened and everybody was tossing their relatives out onto the streets, uh, you know, the Christians would go out, you know, because they believed in the dignity of these people and enough dignity to not have to die alone in the streets. They brought them in, you know, even infecting themselves. Uh, And, you know, one church historian says that the key to, the reason why Christianity took over the Roman Empire by the third century AD was they infected the world with love, Uh, especially, uh, you know, the marginalized, the weak, uh, the downtrodden, the tossed out, the underdogs. The the, the Christians were, were resolved and deeply committed with their own scarce resources, with zero government help, to show up and 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 create a a counterculture within the culture that Mm -hmm. um that was built on love and you know one church church historian says that they they infected the world with love Uh, again they were they were promiscuous with their money and their resources and their homes and their hearts and their time and they were conservative with with their bodies and they fought for the dignity of every person um, you know in, in in James letter, which I mentioned a minute ago, he talks about how true religion uh, is, you know is expressed in the care of widows and orphans, not or not but or. and yeah. Yeah. Uh, of women in distress and children in distress. you, you can you know blow the principle out uh, you know where widows would be any woman in distress and orphans would be any child in distress uh, in or outside of the womb. Uh, to care for for widows and orphans, and yeah. you know the goal is to leave no one out. The goal is mercy and justice for everyone, uh, to the expense of no one, to the degree that it's possible.
0: So I'm going to take mercy and justice and and talk about some difficult situations because I know there are a lot of people who want to know from a support, you know, biblical, I, I don't think people are expecting you to say yes or no, right or wrong, first of all. And if you are, you know, sorry, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Um, but, but I did want to talk about a couple of scenarios. You know, one one thing you mentioned even in your essay and just this just I, I could barely read this. So you mentioned, um, you know, that you had talked to a physician who uh, was an OB and had a 10 year old patient come in that had been essentially abducted. And raped multiple times, and then was pregnant. So obviously, mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. traumatic thing that you could imagine a, a child could go through. Um, and yeah. you know, again, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody's expecting you to be like, oh, totally, yeah, abortion's fine in that scenario. But as you know, well, per, I mean, personally, right. as a parent, I, I can't, I, I can't imagine asking my, my ten-year-old, you know, to continue that pregnancy. But just, but it's just from a support for, I mean, how, how we can't ever reconcile what decision is or is made either way. I mean, either way, it, no one wins in this scenario, right? Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it's the greatest trauma one could face regardless. So what are we, what are we called, you know, yeah. to do or, or to say mm. if anything?
1: Yeah. So, you know, i I've, I've done a lot of, thinking about this since you invited me to have this this conversation and um I, i'm trying to think of the whole situation from um from both a biblical lens and and also from an experiential You're a dad lens of girls. Two, two yeah i i am a dad of two girls and um you know uh i first i would say i have no um no personal notion whatsoever of, of how devastating that must have been, that experience must have been for the girl and for her parents and, and just, just how uh, utterly disorienting. Um, the more of the more I've thought about it, Claire, you know, I, I look, I look in the scriptures for instance, and, and I see a whole lot of crisis pregnancies <laughs> where, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've got you've got Hagar who's left all alone in the cold. You've got um, the Virgin Mary who was roughly twelve years old uh, when uh, the angel of the Lord came and said, "You're carrying God's child," and she had no money or resources and and no proof that. She and Joseph hadn't been fooling around, uh, was which was scandalous 12? in her her culture. That is so new
0: information she, to
1: me. R- roughly twelve or thirteen, roughly no. twelve or thirteen, um, you know, is that was the age of betrothal in in those times, which she and Joseph were betrothed. And so, yeah. um, you know, you, you've got a lot of crisis pregnancies, you know, and impossible situations. Just first and foremost in Scripture. Uh, you look at the ancestry of of Christ, which include you know his his lineage includes a prostitute named Rahab, a a victim of sexual assault named Tamar, um, and of course uh, another victim of sexual assault, more famously known as Bathsheba. Um, uh, uh, you know, and and you know you've got all of these traumatic pregnancies that that led to. Um, lives that became part of the the ancestry of Jesus Christ himself and I you know I, I think too of just you know even more modern experiences uh, you know I, I googled the other day uh, almost aborted uh, well-known people and on that list uh, th- these are these are just a few people that we know of whose mothers were facing crisis pregnancies some of them devastating circumstances but they decided mm-hmm. to carry the pregnancy through. Uh, Tim Tebow, uh, who's now one of the world's greatest uh, advocates for people with disabilities and special needs and Down mm-hmm. syndrome. Pope John Paul II, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, Justin Bieber, Jesse Jackson, Jack Nicholson, Celine Dion, Brooke Shields, Cher, and Sean Lennon.
0: Wow.
1: Um, those are just a few. Um, and I think of, you know, my friend Johnny Erickson Tata, who was a um, um, you know, became paralyzed from the neck down at age 14. Mm -hmm. Uh, and many people would look at, at her, you know, and, and I think a lot of these, these, these crisis situations that, that I think we're having the wrong argument in our heads. We're having a quality of life argument in our heads, Mm -hmm. right? Um, the quality of life is going to be difficult. The quality of life is, you know, it seems impossible. The quality of life, um, is important, but it's not ultimate. Uh, what's ultimate is the dignity and value of life. And, um, and and that's what would compel somebody like me to say, um, you know, Johnny Erickson Tata at age 14, your life is still living, is still worth living. And she went through major trauma. She's written a a biography about that whole experience and how she just wished herself dead, etc. But she's become the foremost global leader uh, uh, of advocacy and care for uh, people with with all kinds of disabilities and special needs. think about Stephen Hawking who um, you know is this world-renowned scientist who and physicist who right. brought so much good into the world and he spent he he just spent so much of his his life uh, in, in a wheelchair and and immobilized you know our own daughter, uh, our youngest daughter um, you know we 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 started wondering even when she was still in Patty's womb, is there something wrong because she didn't move like her sister did, and there there was there was just something off, and Patty felt it as as mother feel mothers feel things when things are off, um, and, and and you know Ellie was born and and we we thought that she might actually be severely autistic and. Um, never for a moment did we regret um, you know having that pregnancy, and we we just figured okay we'll adjust and and this will be our life you know and and you know she it, it turned out that she did have a sensory integration uh, disorder that 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 she was eventually cured from but we've got friends uh, here in our church with a son who's got Down syndrome and autism and he's twenty four years old and he'll live at home for the rest of his life and um, he, you know, just in terms of our, our church community, is one of the brightest lights, you know, in, in, in our community and uh, brings such value yeah. to, um, to the lives of every, every life that he touches. And, you know, you know this, Claire, at our, at our church, we have a, a, a pretty robust you know, ministry to people with special needs and disabilities and their families, and what a lot of people don't know about about children with Down syndrome: over ninety percent of of whom are aborted. Um, uh, people with Down syndrome are widely known as the happiest people in the world. And, oh, they're and my so, favorite
0: patients, truly. Um,
1: I, I mean, there's just uh, there. There, I, I think. I think there's a difference, and this is. I mean, I think this is what the Bible does, at least for you know, for those of us who. Who believe it and, and sort of orient our lives around around it, and live in community with with people who do the same. Um, a crisis situation is terrible, um, no matter what the crisis. It's devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's this other feature that, that God has hardwired the human being. To be incredibly resilient. I mean, just just think about what our friends in Ukraine are enduring right now, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 the people who make it, they're going to make it. Uh, I think of Viktor Frankl, who wrote, you know, "Man's Search for Meaning," who is a Holocaust survivor and, and emerged as this beautiful contributor to 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 hope uh, mm-hmm. in the world um, through his trauma. And um, you know, this seems to be the pattern of of, of scripture: is that those who who are the most down and out end up uh, at some point or another becoming the most compassionate, beautiful, life giving people to their neighbors around them, not in spite of the trauma that they've endured, but because of it. Yeah. Um, and 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 so I I don't know. I, I think there's there's a message of hope in there for 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 those who can receive it that that being damaged does not mean that that you're done. Um, that a major um, curveball that changes the trajectory of your entire life and your entire story um is is it doesn't mean your life is over and Mm -hmm. and there there are there are possibilities i I think of centoia brown you know i got to (laughs) visit in jail you know she was trafficked at age 14 and 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 imprisoned as a juvenile and and you know was finally released but but you know her life is, is is making such a marvelous difference in the world, especially among young at-risk women right now. And so you know to, to think that um, you know maybe a, a hard season of a year or two or maybe even a, a, an excruciating season of a year or two, I, I think there's precedent of, of millions and millions of people who have had excruciating seasons of life and and emerge in in, in a beautiful broken place, you know, like, like in the Bible, when, when, when Jacob became Jacob, uh, he also was given a limp that that he had to carry with him for the rest of his life, you know, for those who are familiar with the Bible. And so, so I don't know. I mean, I mean, with that girl, um, you know, I I don't know, but I, I know that even if they, if they do have the abortion, she still has the trauma of what happened to her. Uh, yeah. That 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 yeah. that she'll never forget, and and so it's not like it would resolve things for her to to say, well, it's
0: that's a great point. Yeah,
1: let's let's end the pregnancy, um, and and so I, I just I don't know. I'm I'm just a super fan of first and foremost asking the question: what is the very best system of support and care, mm-hmm. um, communally? You know, coming around uh, mm-hmm. people in crisis financially. Uh, I mean, if we can unleash the amount of money that we have as a country to build walls, uh, you know, on the border, or to um, to support Ukraine uh, during this season, or to um, to provide COVID vaccinations for everybody, you know, uh, you know, uh, whatever your politics, right? Like, if if it feels like a meaningful thing, you're fine. If trillions of dollars yeah. go into it, if We've that got kind of imagine, clear, that kind of money, right? Imagine that kind of money going into creating systems that, that provide the care, you know, communally, financially, and emotionally for, um, for people to be able to have the support they need to endure a crisis. I, I I think that's, for me, that's the, that's the preferred route. The preferred route is always to fight for every life. And, and um, you know, every child that is, it is aborted for, for any reason. Um, that's a life that's, been lost that's a yeah. life that has been um, eliminated and I just I don't know it, it's it's hard for me to to live with that thought if, if there if there might be other solutions
0: supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now so how do we know what to choose in a brand my family personally uses thorn. Thorne has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country, including the Mayo Clinic and Charleston's own Medical University of South Carolina. You can order any THORN product through me when you create your account at thorn.com slash use slash dabbleco and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you will just be prompted to confirm DabbleCo as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash U, like the letter U, slash DabbleCo. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. Oh, and I think there are a lot of women on the other side too, even talking really more medically now, that are faced with, I think about my friend and I'll just kind of briefly tell it because there was an entire episode where she tells the story, but you know, had a Mm full-term pregnancy, expected to come home with a baby, the nursery was ready, you know, everything. They didn't know the baby had this, you know, incompatible, um, genetic disorder. And, you know, so the baby was born, Immediately, you know, intubated, lines, everything. I mean, suffering. That's suffering for any human, but particularly an infant. Um, Lived for three days and then died. So then she gets pregnant again, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple months later. Desperately, obviously, just all she wants is a baby. And genetic testing reveals, Mm -hmm. you know, same diagnosis. Um, And so I do think there are a lot of women who are, who do feel that they are making, this decision out of compassion um and and mercy Mm -hmm. and i I even there's a woman who messages me on instagram occasionally who um when i put up the question box the other day she said you know i'm so pro-life i have multiple children i i you know believe in the sanctity of of every life but she has a daughter who has lizencephaly which is essentially little to no brain activity and has seizures, you know, essentially all day long, every day, and and she said I I watch her mm-hmm. su- her suffer every day, and she said I just I could yeah. never yeah. bring another child into that into that life of of constant suffering. Um, and my friend Sarah and her, she shared it on Instagram, and she said, which which you actually pointed out to me, she said, you know, maybe you're stronger than I am, um, which like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean. I do. Yeah. There are a lot of women, I think, who are, are making this choice in a manner of what yeah. they believe is, is compassion for their child.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, and, and, and that's where, uh, you know, w- without 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 any judgment, um, that's where the that's where the dance happens for people between the quality of life and, and right. the value of life argument and you know for those you know for 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 people of faith the you know the the scripture talks about how you know god is the the author and finisher of of life and that he's the one who numbers our days and and Mm -hmm. that that our days are in his hands and so um you know christians you know for centuries have endured you know have 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 received that as a call to endurance through through, through the hardest things. But, you know, easy for me to say, the Bible says this, right. I've never been in your friend's situation, but that those words that she said, um, um, really, I think, um, they break my heart, you know, maybe you're stronger than me. I, 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 I wonder, um, I wonder if strength can be added to our situations, Claire, with the things that we've been talking about with just bold systems of care and and support mm-hmm. uh, and you know I, th- I think of a I think of a um, a family in our church that uh, has a daughter they have a daughter it's a couple they they wanted a larger family but they had they had one daughter and she has you know very similar situation she's always anxious always kind of screeching mm-hmm. um and uh you know seizures she's nonverbal uh and she's 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 like 21 years old now and you know my wife is is what we call a buddy uh you know in our special mm-hmm. needs ministry our, our, our my wife uh Patty spends a good bit of time with this this young um, woman uh and um not for a moment uh, has that couple, um, you know, regretted having their daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, but they would also say it's been the hardest thing, uh, every day of our lives for 21 years, it's been the hardest thing. And, and, um, and they would also say, uh, we don't know how we could have done it without a community that we know is there for us 24, seven, 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, um, you know, rather than weighing in on your friend's situation, which, which is, right. it just seems excruciating to have to, to go through that kind of experience twice. Um, um, I just, I guess, I'll, you know, as we're approaching our last few minutes here, we just, again, want to use a bullhorn to, to advocate for, you know, if, if you're a pro-life community, a pro-life person, part of a pro-life community to get after it in, mm-hmm. in, in terms of, of helping to find solutions where communities of people can come around with resources and emotional support to, to people in crisis to, to help reduce the pressure, uh, at least. But, right. um, it's, it's hard to, you know, we can't, we can't reduce the devastation. Um, but we can reduce the isolation, uh, that, that, that people often have to go through in order to get through their
0: devastation.
1: Um, you know, it's not good for people to be alone in crisis. So I'll, oh. I'll, I'll let that be my you know, <laughs> final word on that.
0: Yeah. And, and one thing I, I, you know, pull again from, from general answer and you say, cause I, I want to tie this into kind of the last quote. Also, sorry, there's someone aggressively mowing the lawn outside my window and there's like, no way y'all can't hear it. <laughs> but it's just, anyway, it is what it is. I can't hear um, it. I can sh- I'm shocked. Um, so one thing you say in gentle answer, which I want to kind of put this in my last question is Jesus calls his followers to something better and more life giving than oppositional postures. And, Someone said something to me one, one time we were kind of having this same conversation and, and she said, you know, I just, I, I know, you know, I'm going to get to the gates of heaven and, and God's going to ask me, you know, what did I do, um, to, to stop this, um, and to save these kids and, and to preserve the sanctity of life. Um, and I, I would love for you to, to respond to that.
1: Well, I, I can only speak from a Christian perspective, uh, and, and, you know, look at examples like uh like King David right uh, earlier in the podcast, I talked about how the Bible is full of a lot of lot of people who went through horrible suffering or who were major screw ups made terrible decisions. That's actually one of my favorite things about the bible is that if if there's hope for for people in those situations and who've made those kinds of decisions, then there's certainly hope for for a Messed up guy like me, but um, you know King David. I think is is probably the first thought that I have when you ask that question. Uh, when we bring God into the picture, because what David did um, was he 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 exploited his powerful position as king, and uh, it says that he sent for and took uh, the wife of a close friend of his and slept with her. Uh, a pregnancy resulted and to, co- to to cover it up he he exterminated somebody. it wasn't the child it was the woman's husband uh, in order to cover up the fact that he was the father and and so there was there was sexual immorality, uh, abuse of power mm-hmm. and the termination of another human life and um, and later on in David's Story. He he's confronted by a man named Nathan, and he um, owns up to what he's done on the spot. He says, "I've I've have sinned," and 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 then we get. If 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 anybody's listening has a Bible, uh, grab it uh, and and open it up to the fifty first Psalm, and there you get David's prayer of confession and asking for forgiveness and mercy from God for these horrific acts that, that he was part of and that, that he perpetrated all of them. Um, and what you see there is, is, is a, is a deep awareness of a God who forgives, uh, and a God who gives new beginnings, uh, to, to those who are carrying regret, uh, and, and hurt and, and suffering and sorrow. Um, And a God who will not uh, judge you on the basis of of what you've done uh, if if your trust is in Christ who has done all of the work. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Christians talk about how Christ died for the sins of the world. And that is absolutely true, that every sin past, past, present, and future, every regret past, present, and future is forgiven, cleansed, and covered for those who simply receive it. Uh, And... And, um, you know, I just think about the many people who, uh, from the Bible alone will be in heaven. Uh, that includes, uh, you know, Peter, who was a, a, a racist and xenophobe for a certain period of his life. That includes King David, who I just talked about, who Jesus would later, uh, refer to as a man after his own heart, uh, a man after God's own heart. Wow. Uh, and, you know, not to mention Abraham and Isaac and, you know, Rahab, the prostitute, and Tamar, the sexual assault victim. Um, you know, there, there's just so many. Solomon, the womanizer. I mean, there, there are so many people who <laughs> were just colossal Um moral failures, which would probably make the the, the very worst person who's f- fearing that question look like an angel, um, <laughs> you know, uh, in comparison. Is, yeah. And so, like, yeah. truly, um, yeah. God lets people into heaven on the basis of grace, not mm-hmm. on the basis of the good things we've works. done, but on the basis yeah. of, of, of what Christ has done. Um, yeah, not on the basis of our works, but on the basis of Christ's works mm-hmm. and Christ's, you know, willingness to give his life for ourselves and that, that's another one in, in this whole story um something god endured was the loss of a child um and and um you know just the the and, and an excruciating bloody loss of, of his only begotten son um which speaks to god's sympathy and ability to enter into our own suffering and our own trauma with us mm-hmm. where we are
0: Well, Scott, gosh, thank you. I know this is, it's not a fun conversation uh, for anybody. And I really, I really always appreciate you, your perspective and and just the way that you approach things. Um, And so I know there are people who are going to want to find, so where, where can people find you? I know you're on Twitter, probably that's not the best place to find you, but where else can people find you?
1: (laughs) Just don't, yeah, just, just don't. Don't get antagonistic towards <laughs> me on Twitter cause, because I'll ignore you. Um, but um, I think, you know, if you're going to link to the, uh, the essay you yes. mentioned –
0: I'm going to put that in the show notes. Subject in
1: your show notes. Yep. Yeah. If they click that, it's it's actually hosted on my website, so they can Mm -hmm. find out. You know, whatever they want to find out there. I guess for starters.
0: And I I would love anybody truly mean this. If you spend any time on social media um, or just interacting honestly with other humans, Um, Scott's book, A Gentle Answer, which is you know anyway Amazon wherever, um, Mm -hmm. is is really. Really, I think crucial for us to read kind of in this time of incredible divisiveness. Um, and so, Scott, thank you again. And, guys, if you liked the episode, please rate, subscribe, share it. Um, this is how I continue to get wonderful guests. I hope it was helpful um, in just moving forward in, in meaningful discussion. And I'll see you next week.